that I'm going to bring you in, okay? another edition stripe show podcast i'm your host travis fulton thank you for making us part of your day and if you're watching on video right now you can see our guest is already up has a probably a cocktail with an umbrella in it getting ready to go out on the boat cruise around have a have a couple chilly ones and just relax the one and only jake therm from Illinois, but you're not in Illinois right now. Are you on vacation or what are you doing, my man? Um, so, you know, there's no rest for the wicked, right? So um, I'm actually up in Michigan right now. This is okay. where uh, my family's lake house is. And uh, we, uh, my mom's side of the family is originally from Michigan. So it's like, like a second home. I've been on this lake uh, or I grew up on this lake probably since I was seven years old. So like 1987, 1988. And, um, and yeah, so, I mean, you could see, uh, it's pretty awesome up here. I yeah. wish I could say I'm, I was on vacation, but, uh, oddly enough, a player that I work with, uh, Tim Petrovic, he has a place in South Haven, which is only about 20 minutes from here. And I came up in the middle of the week to talk to you, um, and <laughs> to work with him over at his club for a couple of days and to get him ready to get back out there on the champions tour. So a little, little, um, you know, a little rest, but some work. I and mean, that's the way to roll. Like, it doesn't surprise me that you've got this whole thing figured out. Petrovic, he's got a place right down the road and you can just make it all happen at the same place. I love it. I can't wait to get into, um, I'm going to make you work a little though here on the show. Okay. I'm going to make you work a little bit because I know you're, um, you're one of the best when it comes to ground forces and how players use the ground. So we're going to get into that here in a little bit later, but let's, let's talk about your boy Petrovic first, Tim Petrovic. He's playing good, man. He's 14th on the Schwab. He's uh, I just feel like his name is just lurking on the first page all the time. He's got to figure it out by now. Doesn't he? He's 54. What the hell do you guys need to work on? <laughs> well, first off, I'm going to re- remove my uh, Tom kite from 1992 uh, U S open hat. Um, because that's my, uh, I got life by the ass hat, or maybe I'm just an ass hat. I don't know. But, um, anyways, uh, Tim Petrovic. Yeah. So I met him down at Calusa Pines when I was down there working with Dudley Hart and Scott Gregory. Scott Gregory is the British amateur champ from 2016. And, and Dudley obviously was on the tour for 27 years and he was on the champions tour. So I met Tim back uh, about a year and a half ago. And, uh, yeah, it's one of those things where he, uh, he was looking for a little help and, um, you know, you sit there and you go, well, it looks pretty good to me. Cause I get compliments on his game and his swing all the time. In fact, uh, and I don't know what kind of compliment this is, but Charles Barkley told him, uh, that he had the, uh, simplest looking swing he's ever seen, which is interesting because Charles might have the most complex. So, <laughs> um, but, uh, so when, when you got a guy that's such a sweet swinger, um, un- unbelievable world-class short game putter. Um, he, he, all he challenged me with is he goes, get me on the green quicker and I'll beat them all. So I said, I can do that. 
So what I do with uh, Petrovic is what I would do with any of my clients. We physically screen them first. Um, and fortunately, uh, he moves very well. Uh, you know, uh, there's good movers, there's good players, and those aren't necessarily uh, always the same thing. Uh, but but Petro is that. Um, he's a good mover and a good player. So I knew he was a little bit putty in my hands. So we we after the physical screen, we put him on the 3D suit. And, um, you know, we, we kind of, you know, don't overthink this. I mean, once again, the green quicker. So I thought we need to hit it a little bit further. So uh, we were targeting certain things that we saw in the 3D suit. Um, we put him through a speed training regimen at 53, 54 years old. And he's probably up about six or seven miles an hour. Mm. And, uh, and to your point, yeah, um, we don't finish outside the top five too often. That's for sure. So no. uh, we're still looking to knock down the door there. Um, but, um, you know, he's been uh, second or third in a few majors. Uh, I told you before we got started that I, um, I believe this is correct. I think he shot 63, 65, 66, something like that. And then lost to Phil by three. I mean, it's just <laughs> ridiculous. I mean, that, that was down in the Ozarks. So, so Phil, Phil just, Obviously, it's evidenced by his PGA win. Phil just needs to go away, all right? Just, you know, <laughs> yeah. stay stay on your tour where you belong. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so we, we targeted a few things. Um, training regimens, speed training regimens, and uh, old dogs can learn new speed, especially when they move as well as he does. Well, that's interesting because, you know, everybody on the PGA tour, it seems, is trying to get a little bit longer. But, you know, and, and you think about some of the, let's, it more experienced players like Stuart Sink. He's gotten even a little bit longer, just changing a couple things at address, probably in the neighborhood of eight to 10 yards. And you can see the gains really across the board. And then you get the champions tour, 54 year old Petrovic. He's, you know, he's done a couple things and, and he's gotten a little bit longer and we know that's a, that's a big deal, right? In the modern game, it's the distance era. You don't have to be, Bryson DeChambeau long, obviously to, you know, get out there and, and win, but just these guys finding these ways, whether it's equipment, whether it's technique, whether it's the way you use the ground, um, there's ways to, to get maybe another five to 10 yards, which is, which is huge. So let's, let's talk about the ground because that's something I would say you're one of the best at and the expert at I've leaned on you and a couple of voiceovers that I've done different things make sure the verbiage is in line and these let's put it these things that we see on the ground right these mats force plates right these are the terms that we hear and the first thing that always comes to mind that i think is helpful for people to understand when you get on these is there's a difference between your weight and pressure right your weight and then how you pressure the ground give us the 101 and the difference between those two. Sure. And uh, that's like the number one question I'm always asked is, as you know, I do a lot of seminars for body track across the country. Uh, usually they bring me in to talk about the, the PGA tour players that I put on a body track. And I, I put quite a few And even if I wasn't coaching them myself, I've been brought in to certain teams as a consultant. So mm -hmm. uh, I've seen a lot. Um, there are uh, certain tendencies that all, great players do. And then there's obviously a lot of unique aspects of what individual players do. Uh, but to answer your question, that is the question, right? So I do these seminars and I learned a long time ago to lead off with that because 
you can speak for three hours and then you're very, okay, any questions? First question is, so yeah, pressure, you mean weight shift? And I'm like, right. okay, yeah, I just, you know, so much for all those slides. Uh, yeah, so th the best way I can say it to the golfers that are watching at home, uh, or the easiest way to say it would be uh, weight shift or what we would call center of mass. Um, that's something that you can see. You can witness that. You can you can see the player uh, moving laterally in the backswing, perhaps a little bit away from the target, definitely in the downswing towards target. You can see that, that shift or what we call center mass, that weight shift that we were all taught about as a kid. Uh, the interesting thing, I actually always use Jack Nicholas as the example here because I remember reading it off my way that he said, I want to turn... Yeah, I want to turn into my inside right of my heel. And then he said, I want to shift my weight to the inside right of my heel. Well, he was definitely shifting mass to the trail side. I'm not saying he wasn't. Uh, but what he was describing in terms of his heel was a pressure that he was applying to the ground at that moment. So pressure is something that cannot be witnessed. Um, they, mass and pressure do tend to marry each other, at least at the beginning of the backswing a little bit, uh, or in the takeaway especially. Uh, but they can do quite different things all together uh, after the transition and, and as you start down, especially in speed creation with driver. So masses uh, or, or weight shift is something you can see. Pressure is something you can only, uh, you can only measure. Um, I've been doing this for almost 10 years now, and you know, I'd, I'd say I'm about an 80% guesser on where their pressure is at, at impact, but it's always best to, to measure that instead of guess. What are the tendencies? So as we get into weight now and pressure that let's say, let's start with an iron. Okay. Let's go seven iron. Um, what are the tendencies that you're seeing with good players, right? When it comes to the weight and the pressure in the swing. Okay. So, um, and it obviously would depend on uh, a lot of circumstances. Uh, you know, the, the, like you said, you said an iron, so mm -hmm. like a seven iron or scoring club. So what you'd typically see off a, off a level lie for a full swing with right. that is you tend to see a little bit more pressure on the lead side. Um, that's kind of interesting because it can be, uh, it's always pressure on the lead side because I put Nick Faldo on a body track and his, he had a bit more pressure on the lead side. So I might define that as environmental you know, from where he grew up and fighting the ball down. But I've never, ever seen with a scoring club, if we're considering seven iron through wedges to be scoring clubs, I've never seen an elite level player that had pressure, more pressure on his trail side than his lead side. Now, interestingly enough, I spent some time with Bob Toski and that did not go over well in class, right? Because Bob used to tell people to set up 60% on your right side. And the reason was you're going to move that way. So set up that way. Well, the interesting thing is he was talking about like the axis tilt or how the, the player tilts away from the target, especially with longer club driver, right? So he was witnessing that. Again, gets back to our uh, weight shift versus pressure. So he was witnessing that. But even when that person is tilted away, they're still going to have more pressure on the lead side and the trail side. So if you want me to throw a number at it with your seven iron, 55%, probably around there, just a touch. Um, but if, uh, if someone's lighting it lower or, and they grew up in a place where you do fight it lower, you might see a touch more interesting things. Uh, the higher the handicap, the more you actually might see them set up with their pressure on the trail side. Where's the weight in the backswing? 
So the weight is going to move. This is interesting because I just uh, we were talking about this with Strillman right before the Open Championship. Mm-hmm. Um, so the weight, uh, so your center of mass shift. Uh, so I, I told him he was too continual with his mass shift to the trail side, and I'll explain that. But this is Strillman. Uh, yes, Kevin Strillman. Yep. Yeah. That guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, ba- basically, this. Um, Probably a good piece of advice is that the most lateral, most elite level players are with their massive. Let's say we're we're putting like we're charting like their belt buckle, right? Um, is their lower lower center of mass the most that they're lateral with their mass is either in the takeaway or maybe even the lead arm parallel. But actually, after that point, they're really I mean their hands and arms have mass to it, so that's still swinging back. But in terms of a lateral shift. They're probably at their most lateral away from the target at that point. And then they're actually going to start pushing with their trail foot away from the target, which will push their mass towards the target eventually. So what I tell amateurs is this. It, uh, this certainly would help most, uh, most viewers here, is that it, it's great to shift mass, and you should because that's very powerful. But mm-hmm. most people do it continually. In other words, they're shifting mass all the way to the top of the swing, and then they're very late to get into the lead side. Don't shift weight or mass um, uh, uh, continually. Uh, shift it quickly. In other words, boom, and then boom, you're going the other way. And, and I got some, uh, I got the, an old an oldie but a goodie with the leaderboard to kind of show that horizontal. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So one of the terms that I will use in on my site is unweighting the lead foot. And that's more of a mass concept, right? Getting the belt buckle to maybe trace a little bit more towards the right heel. And then, as you said, from there, as you start to turn, you got to shut that off. And then eventually it's got to get going. The yeah, other kinda, it just a lot of guys. Yeah. A lot of guys call that the recenter or maybe right. even the leaning tower of Pisa or something like that. Um, Interestingly enough, those that kind of push their pelvis forward from the top of the backswing, which could be a wonderful move for a slicer who's been inside out for 25 years. But but if you teach them that way, you're also kind of limiting their potential. I always tell people, if you get on a body track and push the pelvis forward from the top, and that's your only move, you'll move some pressure there, but it won't be uh, the amount needed to generate uh, enough vertical force in the ground. So I would, I tell them like, well, if there was a can, like if this Coke can was underneath my lead side, I don't think I would bump my hips, you know, bump the carter. I don't think I'd bump my hips towards the target to crush it. I actually think I'd go boom, just right. down on it like that, smash it right in the ground. Or as I told, so Faldo goes, uh, and, and the funniest thing is I thought he was always the guy that would be doing the theory of relativity. And he actually always, he analyzed everything but he always came up with very simple ways of doing it. So he go, so I told him this and he goes, so you mean like squish a bug? And I'm like, well, yeah, I go, but don't anger it, you know, kill the fucking thing. So, <laughs> so he, he really was, uh, really was smashing down on it. And that was uh, helping him get into the lead side. Yeah. So let's, let's see this device you have. This is an oldie, but a goodie. I just didn't like how anyone used it. <laughs> it right. didn't make much sense. I, I think most people got on it, went like this. That's actually, yeah. if we're doing a backswing, that's reversed. Okay. So I was told as a kid that there was a pitching rubber off my trail foot. 
to push me forward on the downswing. I actually still love that image because I played team sports, especially baseball. But uh, to start the swing, I never really thought about the pitching rubber that was on my uh, on my leaf. So for all the kinesiology nerds, um, basically to take this club away, I would push that way to move that way, if you can see that. Mm-hmm. So boom, boom. So I'm pushing in the direction of the target. And again, kinesiology nerds, that my lead leg is abducted. So that just means leg swings, right? So I'm mm-hmm. moving like this. So I'm pushing that way to go that way, away. And then, remember how I told you, I, and again, this is something I shared with Kevin, because I tend to run a lot of the tech for him. Right. I said, I told you that the most lateral a player will typically be is anywhere from the takeaway to lead arm parallel back. Mm-hmm. So after you've already pushed, so say we're here or here, then actually you're going to start pushing that's when they start pushing away from the target to eventually move towards it. So it's going to be like this. Okay. And that's just me. That's, that's just me being the pitcher there. That's me pushing against the mound this way in a direction of second base, but I'm going to push it towards second to go towards home. Right. All right. So I always just thought when I would see people use this, that they were always using it actually backwards. And the funniest thing is I get a lot of people talk about, well, how do I turn my hips through and stuff? And actually, you would just set this up. But once again, and I think uh, when we spoke on Scheffler, as uh, we talked about, you know, dumb people uh, hitting golf balls on ice and how actually right. that that was the that was the giveaway. Right. That <laughs> that's the direction of as, as dumb as they look, what their feet are doing is is actually the giveaway. Uh, on the direction of the initial force. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're seeing with Shuffler. So um, I, I can show you that real quick too. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, as if he was swinging, as if you were swinging on ice. Right. So, you know, and they, they probably have had a few that day too. I don't recommend <laughs> it, but. Um, probably so on ba- the top of your boat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. About that. <laughs> Um, there's, there's a slide on the back and a barbecue, man. I You're always it. welcome. All right. So, uh, basically everybody knows that they want to get their hips, uh, to open up in the downswing, especially with a better player. Um, mm-hmm. they're always talking about that. It's, it's so interesting because independent of, uh, the ground. So if you cannot use the ground, your hips would actually turn in the opposite direction, in which you swung or what you've grown accustomed to seeing from a player. So it's really the initial force and the pressure applied to the ground that actually allows the player to rotate the hips in the way that we're accustomed to seeing. Mm-hmm. In other words, uh, we've seen Como jump off the diving board back in the day. By the way, I, I don't. I wonder if he still has that on YouTube or uh, or not. But uh, if it is on there, check it out. Basically, as he swung back, his hips opened up to the target. As he swung through, his hips closed to the target. Okay, to put that really simple. So absent the ground. Right, if we were up in space, or or like he was jumping off a high dive, our lower body would go in the opposite direction we're accustomed to seeing. So, actually, how you pressure the ground and how you use the ground is actually what's going to allow your hips to open up. And it, in the initial direction of the force, is it the opposite that you might think? Now, think about the people on the ice. So they get on the ice, and they're really shaky in the backswing. 
But as soon as they go, and I, I actually need one of these under my other foot, but as soon as they would transfer or transition, I should say, the club, that front foot will go this way and that back foot will go this way. Mm-hmm. And then obviously they hit their head on the ice and go under, right? So anyways, that's actually the direction of the force initially to get the pressure to rebound and go into the heel uh, as, as quickly as possible. So you really got to ramp that up. So it's really this. Yeah. Right? Yep. And how many times do we see this nowadays? And and by the way, this this is not changing because the cat's mm-hmm. out of the bag. How many times do we see nowadays these players that hit the ball tremendous distances where their lead foot goes, right? Hopefully you guys yeah. see that. Patrick Reed, right. Scheffler. Right? right. Right. So if I'm hitting that way, my force is coming at the camera as hard as I can initially to rebound it and get my pressure over here, which is why all these players are tearing up the ground under their lead side. Golf's the lead side game. They're quick to the lead side. They trap it there for a split second to get their hip open. And then some of them, yeah, like you were saying, Patrick Reed, some of them you could – slip a golf digest underneath their front foot because their pressure actually then goes to the trail side as a way to propel this side not only uh open but up mm-hmm. and also that pressure going back to the trail side it helps them release the club uh that much faster Rapsodo Mobile Launch Monitor improve your golf swing today pro level launch data in the palm of your hand. It is very accurate within 2% of a $20,000 unit. The Rapsodo MLM app automatically tracks stats and stores video with Shot Tracer, helpful for club gapping and understanding true distances for each club. Rapsodo MLM provides immediate feedback, data, and creates a better practice environment, not mindlessly hitting balls. Extremely portable. Case is about the size of a rangefinder, And you know what? You can use it both indoors and outdoors. I love this launch monitor. It's the Rapsodo mobile launch monitor. Check it out at rapsodo.com. R-A-P-S-O-D-O.com. Rapsodo.com. Right. So, so as we, there's a lot there and that was, that was awesome. And and I did that voiceover with, with the tour about, how Scheffler's foot was doing that. And um, well, actually Scheffler's more of his right foot. And then, you know, Patrick Reed is more of his left foot, but we, we had that conversation right. on how that was working. Um, and right. if you tell it, if you tell, um, yeah, so this is Scheffler, Scheffler. right? Yeah. 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 And here's the thing I would say, so it's noticeable when Scheffler does it, right? It's noticeable when Reed does it, but they're all doing it. To some extent, right? They're mm-hmm. all doing this to yeah. leverage themselves to accelerate, decelerate the pelvis and rotate, right? They're yeah. all doing this. But the guys that leave the ground, whether it's trail foot or lead foot, are just no noticeable. And something we said on that Shuffler video is, hey, Greg Norman made it cool like 25 years ago, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he did. He did with his right foot, just like Scheffler does. So, all right. So we, let's scale this back now just a little bit. Sure. Um, The audience listening to this, we set up 
we put, we got a seven hour, a little more pressure on the front foot. Yep. And as I turn and I, I still want the, the center of mass and this feeling of my body turning and kind of uh, belt buckle, maybe moving a little into the right heel and a slight loading sensation into the right heel, but right. it's got to be early. Yeah. Maintaining some pressure to the ground on the lead foot. Correct. Now from there, we want to then increase that significantly kind of down into the ball of the left foot and transition, right? Yes. Yeah. So, um, so after this or, or, so if you want to, if you want to destroy the ball, you're your most lateral probably at takeaway. Um, but if not, I mean, and, and Kyle Berkshire is another one who's, who's basically giving us the goal, right? Yep. <laughs> Dumb people on the ice yep. and Kyle Berkshire are giving us the goal because he's like this, right? Love it. Yeah. So, so that club humpty swings. Dumpty. Yeah. That club swings that way. And I, I, I like that humpty dumpty. I called it the donkey Kong, right? That kind of <laughs> yeah, there you a little bit. Like, yeah. you know, so yep. swings the club forward, then swings it back by pushing off that way to swing it that way. So it, right. it's more like this. I got to tell you this. Yeah. I got to tell you that's eight yards for me right there. Oh yeah. Oh Easy. yeah. I mean, I, I feel a little bit more out of control. Um, you know, like I feel, and I get it, but cause you know, it's funny. I look at my own swing. I don't think I ever loaded the mass. You know, I was too much the other way. I would spin, my pelvis would spin and hang left. And I had a very hard time getting out of the way. Yeah. So um, and rotating yeah. and getting out of the way. I certainly exactly yeah. that's yeah. an exaggeration, but that's exactly me. Um, so this Humpty Dumpty, this feeling like this, this belt buckles moving, what feels like a foot yeah. is really only moving like an inch, <laughs> but man, do I it, hit it a it, lot longer. And I got to tell you, I think as I've gotten more comfortable, I think I'm more accurate too. Cause I feel like I got more time coming down to rotate and get things to match up where before I would hang and then I would come down and I couldn't get out of the way. So I had to let it go. Right. It's, it's no different. And again, I'll, I'll use baseball because I, I think I use baseball so much because I find that to be the most, the closest athletic pivot to a golf swing. And mm -hmm. the other reason is I always just love that people say I was good at baseball and that's why I'm bad at golf. And really uh, <laughs> that is, you're bad at golf because you're bad at golf um, <laughs> right. or, or I kind of wonder how good they were really at baseball. But um, so everybody knows about the stride forward, but people don't understand like that. Actually they push that way to load this way. Right. Right. It's very similar mm -hmm. in terms of that move. And again, you're right. It feels like for a lot of guys that were taught a single axis move initially or turn around the lead leg, you're right. That you, they will tell you that that feels like a foot. Oh, uh, with the pelvic move in the backswing, uh, translating it back there. And it, it's like an inch, inch and a half max, yeah. you know, so, let me ask you this, Jake. Um, yeah. so this is, this is something that I talk about a lot with online students and people in person is the concept. I think when I first got into the business and I think about my own swing, the idea of like bumping the lead hip almost the feeling of the pelvis sliding out from underneath the spine, your spine takes on excessive right bend and then you kind of swing through versus what we're talking about here. Okay. Now the pressure 
almost feels like the weight shift is more down. Like it's kind of, um, it's a different sensation of into the ground of kind of falling into the left foot. Right. Right. And that's where the weight and the pressure are both kind of moving or doing the same thing. Right. On, on the way down, you're the weights moving that way and the pressure's moving intensifying. And that's different than now show them the bump, show them yeah. the bump. So, here, so you go up to the top, watch the hip now bump left. That's very yeah. different. That's very, very different. Talk about the difference in those two and what you found just kind of pros and cons from that. Yeah. And there's some pros. I, and I know that the bump, the car door is going to nowadays have more cons to it because um, it's not fashionable, right? Um, to be honest with you, if you're looking to get someone's swing direction, let, look at, I'm right-handed. So if you're looking to get someone's swing direction and club path, uh, less left, having them bump their pelvis or bump the car door from the top. So this move and then access tilt early, right? it will help them do that. And if that's sure. all that they ever wanted from you, right. Was to not slice it uncontrollably. I think you're okay mm-hmm. there. Right. But you've also might probably limited their potential from a ground reaction force standpoint. So, um, what we what I probably didn't know ten years ago is that your rib cage and your pelvis in transition tend to because I was told the same thing. Well, it happens from the ground up, and you got to shift your hips forward first. And holy cow, did I hit the high school hook with that information? <laughs> I mean, jeez. I had to start it so far right to flip it so far left. It was unbelievable. Um, so anyways, the, uh, what I didn't know is that these two centers, so the rib cage and the pelvis actually will stay on top of each other for a split second. I mean, eventually you're going to access tilt back, but you can't access tilt as your first move. If you're a better player who fights a block and a hook anyways, because as you're side tilting away, as your first move, you're just playing into the fact that you're going to swing two inside out at it. And then you got two choices from there and probably none of them good. And the, the reason, and with you side tilting that early rotation is going to become an issue. And so is maintaining your, uh, you know, inclination of the ground. So keeping your posture through impact. So for those that early extend, Typically, what you see, if they're a better player and they early extend, is typically you see them getting into a side tilt sooner than they should away from the target, right? Yeah. Don't. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, there you go. So you get that early side bend and, and you're trying to rotate and you put a lot of pressure um, on that back. Um, Chiropractors love that move. Yeah. Right. So that recentering of the pelvis and the rib cage and, you know, I'm in the yeah. left side and now I'm going to, now I'm going to turn and hit it. And that right bend it's there. It's just not excessive early. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's there. And then as you turn, then you can rotate and push up. Right. Correct. Yeah. Correct. The ramping yeah. of that uh, is interesting. I learned this from Sasha McKenzie. Um, the, the, you hear that a guy hits the, golf ball with one and a half times his body mass right so uh basically and that sounds tremendous like uh, i want some of that Uh, actually tour players should have actually been below that i think the next generation is going to be you know 
1.7, something like that. Wow. But because uh, certainly guys are teaching it now. But the guys that I did before we all knew this, they weren't, you know, 1.3 was James Hahn, you know. Kevin yeah. was, uh, Kevin was, you know, more levelish. It was moving upward, but not with the, the veracity that you're seeing some of these younger players. But with that said, one and a half, which, by the way, if you do that, you, you have some speed. One and a half, to put that under pers- uh, into perspective, if you were to jog today under each foot, you would have enough vertical pressure to equal three times your body mass. Okay? And if you – that's a jog, right? And if you, like, sprinted, it would be five. Okay? So, actually, in the grand scheme of things, one half's not that much. So, uh, you know, craving more of it, you know, uh, yeah, could that potentially uh, get more distance to the player? I suppose so. But really what makes them so good is the amount of time that they ramp that up in, not necessarily the amount that they ramp that up, right? Because it's all different based on their stature, mm-hmm. right? I, you're a bigger guy than me. You may not need as much vertical. And then the other interesting thing is, is this is cool, is uh, again, I'll use his trail foot with his driver, and he's pretty much airborne, right? So he's tilting back, pushing over here, and he's pretty much airborne. So you would think, oh my gosh, he's got he's got the highest verticals in golf, right? He actually, in terms of vertical force, is very equivalent to Rory McIlroy. Um, who is, whose feet uh, compared to Thomas are, you know, pretty much still maintaining their connection with the ground. Mm -hmm. Now, how in the world is that possible? Well, all things considered equal, and this gets into your loading question, right? All things considered equal, Rory McIlroy loads the ground and moves down more than Justin Thomas. Justin doesn't move down as much and then jumps up where he moves down and pushes up, he can still maintain the ground and yet have as much vertical force. In this regard, to each their own, but a guy jumping off the ground doesn't necessarily have more than the guy maintaining connection. So it's all in that transition of keeping the, kind of the sit to square, so to speak, keeping the pelvis and the ribcage over each other, the smashing down, the lowering into the ground, gives you more potential to jump up. In other words, right? Like I could jump up from here or I could jump up from here, right? Right. Yep. Which one's going to be which one's going to be higher with more vertical force. So it's really in the lowering and in the time frame that you do it. Yep. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yep, the little sit move, the squat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think one of the most thrown around terms in golf is it starts from the ground up. Yep. He's using the ground, starts from the ground up. And there's, I mean, there's, there's, um, there's a venting process of what that really means, you know, of, of how it works, when it works, it's not the perception of that so much in golf, the perception of what is being said and what is happening is very different. Staying in your spine angle. Right. You know, that's, yeah, there's a lot to that that goes into what spine angle does. It's moving, (laughs) it's changing. Um, and it's, so you know, as far as the ground and I hear, Hey, starting from the ground up, you know, what does that mean? Is that, you know, I think the most, a lot of perception is that bump. I think this idea of the recentering of the pelvis and the rib cage and how that works and the down into the ground and then being able to use that 
to really push up and rotate and get out of the way. But even taking a step before that, the backswing has a lot of value in that, right? And, and what that's going to suggest and how much you can lower, right? And um, because if, if you don't, is it, let me ask you this, if you turn and you don't lose flexion in your right knee yeah, and the, and the pelvis stays more level or level, you know, more level versus yep. let's say you lose flexion in the right knee for a right-handed player and the right side of the pelvis climbs higher. I would, I would imagine the ladder can then sit more. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and use the ground more, let's say all things being equal. Yeah. So yeah, what you're saying there and so much of what we talk about is what we were taught as juniors, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, totally. So I was told it all, it all happens from the ground up, but that seems to imply that there's a certain amount of automation with what's going on with your hands, arms, and golf club. And that's not true. Those things are doing work too. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I, it doesn't happen from the ground. There's a concert to this and everything, everything's playing an instrument. Everything has a, has a task, right. Um, to do this correctly. But to your point about using the ground. So uh, you can do this with a, an alignment rod at home, but I, I was told, uh, I think I was probably taught the opposite of you. Maybe that's why you play better me. I don't know. But uh, anyways, <laughs> I, I was, I was, my junior coach was more of a, of a Ballard guy. Okay. okay. So I was told to maintain the flex of my trail. And the, I, I actually had my hips held like this from behind. Mm-hmm. Sounds like prison. But uh, anyways, and I was like, it, it was like smack. He's like, don't turn them. Don't turn them. Turn against right. them. So to your point, if I maintain uh, flex here in the trail knee, that's going to limit my ability to rotate out of my hip socket. I'm probably going to move laterally, right? It's probably going to be continually. And it's going to level me out. And, you know, that's a lot of what Ballard taught. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he taught about the hips being very uh, level. The only issue with that, and again, let's say you can even do that, which a lot of people can't do that. But let's say you could, to your point, if I have the alignment rod like this, and I change, so my, my trail side goes up as mm-hmm. it rotates, and my lead side moves down. So it's more like this, right? So yep. there's the bump, and then I'm... Right. I can actually get into the ground more this way to get into my, basically my deadlift position. I can get into the ground this way to propel my lead side up. If I'm just level, and again, let's say I can do that. If I'm just level, then I'm just level. And really what's changed everything as much as we're talking about ground reactive forces is launch data. Yeah. There is nobody in this country teaching a junior to hit level down on a golf ball with a driver now. Right. Right. So what's the, what's the easiest way to get that attack angle more up? Well, it's handle raise through impact. Right. And, and obviously getting into the ground more, like I said, McElroy does to push up more. We get the lead side, not only open, but up and away. Right. Mm-hmm. I think another thing that you're going to see more of, it's already started is you're going to also see, this left arm having way more bend as if they're trying to pull the grip off the club. And we were always told, well, that's a chicken wing and that's bad. And I said, you know, that's interesting. Every time I see a, a, a great ball striker, a world-class player on tour, he tends to have a little bit of that. And who stays in place pretty good. So who uh, <laughs> stays in Fowler, uh, Lee Westwood comes to mind, Spieth. Oh my gosh. You know? So um, I think, 
Yeah. So as as is always the case, it, it's really it's really when you do it and why you do it, mm-hmm. not that you shouldn't do it. Right. And that's the that's the case about that. So they're really getting into this ground, propelling the lead side up, which is going to get the grip to raise up and move uh, up and open. And that's going to that's going to shallow out their attack angle. And if nothing, yep. get it more up with the driver. Yeah. And we, and we now know the benefits of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, that's some good stuff there. That's some really good, like meat and potatoes right there of you know, how things work through the impact. So, all right. Well, my head's spinning. So I, I think, you know, my audience is probably, is probably spinning a little bit too, but this is good. You know, I think like this conversation of the ground and we'll do this again, um, you know, of, of just, you hear these terms and, and the Love ground it. and part of the stripe show is to, is to shed insight, coach speak of these terms and have that conversation to some degree on that level, but also to peel it down and, the application of it and what's really important here. And I think we we've been able to do that. I'll be curious to, we'll get some, we'll get some feedback. And I think we can continue on this track of weight versus pressure, how it works. We talked about the seven iron, um, but it all, you know, it all makes sense. And I think it's very different than perhaps what you read or tried to do 10, 15, 20 years ago. And I think this has been a big learning curve. Uh, for our industry, but also just for the players. And it's another reason why they are so damn good. So powerful, but yet there's stability there for accuracy too. Like this is sometimes like I tell people, you know, just because I just told you to do this in the backswing and I said, you'll probably get eight to 10 more yards. Doesn't mean you're going to be more inconsistent. In fact, I bet you, you might get some more accuracy, you know, when you, when you go down this path, now you may feel a little weird out of the gate, and you may feel like I'm kind of in a different spot here and I need to get my spatial awareness a little bit. And that, that's understandable. But man, I, I find oftentimes with amateurs more power, they're like, I'm not really not that much more. I'm I'm pretty accurate too with it, you know? Now you start raising that up to Bryson DeChambeau, <laughs> you know, you start, you start increasing that speed exponentially. We know things start to shrink down, you know, downrange a little bit. So but uh, this is great stuff, man. I um I know you got to get to, I know you got to probably go clean your boat, get ready for tonight. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and you got to get to work with your boy uh, Petro over there. So I appreciate you coming on. We'll do it again. Cool, man. Thanks for having me. All right, you're the man, appreciate Jake it. Therm. Visit him at Jake Therm Golf Twitter, Instagram, website at Jake Therm. We'll. Uh, Good luck to Petro. Good luck to Streelman and all your other kids. I know you've got a ton of great players up there and kids that you work with too. Well, kids are inherently more coachable than adults. So give me all of them. <laughs> I'm coachable too now. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't true. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> See you, buddy. I just want to interrupt this interview real quick and give a shout out to my friends over at Encore Golf. Encore provides some of the most cutting edge technology in a golf ball that I have ever seen. Their team in Buffalo, New York, is changing the script of golf technology through their perimeter-weighted designs, which offer players enhanced accuracy and control for every shot on the course. With their award-winning Elixir and Avant 55 golf balls, they are transforming the game for players of all skill levels. Visit EncoreGolf.com backslash Travis Fulton for more details about their products that are revolutionizing the game. Now back to the Stripe Show.